Hey, it's Rebecca. A brief note before we start the show. As many of our listeners know, Advice for Mom is a cross-country collaboration with my incredible Jewish mom, who is based in my hometown of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My mom and I are still in shock and deeply saddened by the tragedy in Squirrel Hill, and our hearts go out to the entire community mourning the loss of the 11 people at Tree of Life Synagogue. My mom wasn't able to get on the microphone with me this morning, but she wanted me to remind you that it's okay if you are also still in shock and that you might be that way for a while. Your mood might go up and down. She reminds you to emphasize self-care, especially exercise. If possible, delay making any big decisions right now. If you want to share with us how you're feeling in a listener letter, we always love to hear from you. And for all our American listeners, please don't forget to vote on November 6th, next Tuesday. Okay, on with the show. So, Mom, today is actually the spookiest day of the year. Did you did you know that? Um, yeah, and I've already decorated outside of the house to uh, mark that wonderful spookiness. Oh, my gosh, you're going to get so many trick-or-treaters. Oh, I hope. That's my favorite part. Well, um, you know what also Halloween is good for? What? Diving into our fears. <laughs> I wanted to read to you a question that has a lot of okay. fears that are spooky. <laughs> okay. Thoughts that are creeping. <laughs> You're spooking me. You can do it too. We can make your voice sound like super mm-hmm. creepy. Oh, you, oh, can you do, you can distort it that way so I don't have to do it. Yeah, well, what would you want to say if you had you got to say something in a spooky voice? You can rule your own anxieties. Do you feel Do you feel confused to down on your luck? You got a big life question, I feel kind of stuck. Maybe you could use an encouraging hug Or an extra heaping dose of some motherly love Well, I'd like to introduce you to my mama bee She's a therapist with a PhD Prepare yourself to feel a lot more calm Cause it's time for advice from mom All right We are anxiety-busting on this Halloween episode of Advice from Mom. Because being haunted by your anxiety does not have to be your reality. And my mom, psychologist and family therapist Dr. Elizabeth Skibinski-Bortman, is here to help you get there with some tricks and some treats. And don't scare any of those little kids, though. Yes, be nice to those little children. And also, be nice to yourself. And remember that this podcast is for informational purposes only. It's not intended for diagnosis or treatment of any medical or psychological disorder. All treatment decisions should always be made in partnership with your health professional. All right, time to combat some fears. Here's today's question. Dear Mama B, I recently became aware of a seemingly bizarre tendency I have to rehash embarrassing moments from my past. For example, in elementary school, I made a gift for a girl I had a crush on and attempted to secretly slip it to her in her mail cubby, but I accidentally slipped it to the wrong cubby. 
It was quite embarrassing then, and for whatever reason, it still is all these years later. In middle school history class, while covering the Holocaust, I was called on by the teacher to answer a question. I misunderstood the question, and my answer unintentionally came across as culturally insensitive. I am still extremely embarrassed about it. Most recently, while at a wedding, I was socializing with some peers and poised a simple small talk inquiry that fell on deaf ears and dead gazes. The uncomfortable silence that followed is still embarrassing to me. The rehashing of these memories seems to occur randomly, or when I'm coping with random bouts of generalized anxiety. I've dealt with some form of anxiety for the better part of my life, and I've experienced panic attacks for the past several years. My anxiety fluctuates, as I'm sure it does for many others, and over time I've adopted some strategies to help me cope. But anytime I just have my thoughts to keep me company, like running errands or driving to work, an embarrassing moment will come to my mind, and it's as if I'm reliving it all over again. I get so absorbed in the memory that I get butterflies in my stomach, a sinking feeling in my chest, blushing, sweaty brow, the whole nine yards. I'm honestly surprised that I can still get such a strong reaction to moments that happened so long ago that seem so inconsequential to my current day well-being. Is this some sort of PTSD? What might help me refrain from experiencing this in the future? I'd like to better understand why I'm having such strong reactions to these memories. Thanks ahead of time. Signed, Anxious in Ann Arbor. Well, Anxious in Ann Arbor, thank you. This question really spooks me out. I'm going to be honest, it gets my heart racing. And that's why I am so excited for you to get some good advice from my mom. Let's get right to it. Hello to you, anxious in Ann Arbor. Many thanks for asking about anxiety. It's an issue that affects so, so many of us. I guess we should have a club, huh? Your question nicely pinpoints the problem, the repetitive nature of those thoughts. You are basically asking, should I be worried about this rehashing of memories? You're asking, are these repetitive memories, I want to say, are they simply distracting kind of thoughts? which we all have, it's very normal. Or should we call these intrusive thoughts? Of course, now you're gonna get one of my favorite kinds of definitions, and that's from Wikipedia. An intrusive thought is an unwelcome, involuntary thought, image, or unpleasant idea that may become an obsession. It is an upsetting or distressing thought, and it can feel difficult to manage or eliminate. So in order to explain to you some of the key concepts about anxiety, I'm suggesting a visual metaphor. I'm suggesting that you imagine that you see a huge umbrella, which has underneath it many boxes of different sizes. Are you with me so far? This umbrella, of course, is my own creation, and I call it an anxiety umbrella. 
I'm calling it an umbrella because anxiety is such a broad concept. Anxiety may include any or all of the following. Intrusive thoughts, phobias, OCD or obsessive compulsive disorder, mini panic attacks, flashbacks, inability to concentrate, shortness of breath, full-blown panic attacks, fears of leaving home, which is called agoraphobia, and social anxiety. So the reason that I've asked you or suggested that you create different size boxes underneath the umbrella is that each of these issues or problems could be large or small, depending on the individual's situation. So I want to talk about uh, anxiety remedies and uh, relief mechanisms, and they generally In my mind, they fall into two different categories. One is self-help remedies, and the other, of course, is therapy. So first, self-help ideas. Usually distraction from the source of anxiety is a very, very popular relief mechanism, and that's for good reason. There's a lot of research that indicates distraction is a really good method to try when anybody is upset by anything. So it doesn't really matter how you distract yourself. Uh, So if you like to be outdoors, go outdoors when you're feeling the anxiety. If you're an exerciser, if you like to exercise, go and exercise. If you're a movie buff, go to the movies. If you're a person who loves to read, well then read. If you're a reading person, but you feel too anxious to read, then maybe you can write things down in a small colored notebook. If you work at this notebook for um, three to six weeks and it can contain anything you like, any notes about when you feel anxious, what triggers you, um, how you got over a mini panic attack, um, how you distracted yourself, anything at all that comes to your mind about the anxiety. It's your notebook. So if after three to six weeks, um, it's not helping you feel a little bit better, then it's important to consider your other options. As many of our dear listeners have already guessed, I next will suggest talking therapy. So if you think about it, In order to break out of these intrusive thought patterns, you will be having to continually put yourself into uncomfortable situations. That's just the way it works. Doing that, putting yourself in uncomfortable situations, would be so much easier if you had a supportive therapist with you. And just a little bit of um, self-assessment, I guess it is, If you want to find out um, if you really do need therapy or not, one thing to ask yourself is if your intrusive thoughts have been intruding upon your mind for a long time, that would suggest that therapy is an excellent idea. The longer term the problem, the more deep-rooted it becomes, it becomes ingrained, it becomes part of your habit and your daily life. So... 
I suggest that you find yourself a good cognitive behavioral therapist who can help you work on those intrusive thoughts. CBT, or cognitive behavioral therapy, is especially effective with anxiety problems, anxiety issues, uh, partly because it gets at the negative thoughts underlying the anxiety, and it teaches the person how to counteract those thoughts. And so you, anxious in Ann Arbor, you may be one of those rare people who can reduce intrusive thoughts on your own using self-help suggestions. It sounds like your inner voice is definitely saying, pay attention to this anxiety issue. Quite possibly, your inner voice is saying you're ready to deal with it. That could only be the sound of one thing. It's time for Mother Daughter Pickleball. So, uh, first off, Mom, the anxiety umbrella. Mm -hmm. You know I love when you use metaphors. Well, that's part of why I do it. But you know I am also critical of your metaphors. Okay. That's predictable as well. You have this anxiety umbrella, and then just anxiety falls on it. Hello, Mom, you need a metaphor for the anxiety, too. I like uh, what you're saying because there's another kind of aspect to the metaphor, and that is what's happening on top of the umbrella. Mm-hmm. Forget about the various issues that it, you know, that it might be underneath the umbrella, but the important thing is how severe is the weather above the umbrella. But why are there boxes underneath the umbrella? Isn't the whole point of the umbrella to like keep things off you? Yeah, but um, you're taking the umbrella metaphor too literally in that way because it's at, in this function, it is not even raining. Oh, it could rain, but let's let's just give me the benefit of the doubt. In this <laughs> in this situation, everybody everybody's familiar with an umbrella. I'm just workshopping your umbrella to make it the best umbrella it can be. I'm a designer, mom. I need to make it the best. I'm sorry. And sometimes that's so tedious, darling. Well, no, but I also have an idea. I'm, okay. I'm giving you the expert floor, but I have an idea. Go ahead. So just to really wrap your umbrella metaphor into your entire advice, mm-hmm. I think what you're saying is what anxious in Ann Arbor really needs is he needs to protect himself from this. Mm-hmm. He needs mm-hmm. some ways that he can create a shield. Some people get those umbrellas that look totally ridiculous. They almost look like a bubble, a half bubble around them. Maybe right. he'll get one of those. Maybe he'll get a golf umbrella. But the whole thing is that he needs to get an umbrella. I love it. I love it. I love it. That's perfect. Walking through severe stormageddons is not, he's not going to be able to arrive wherever he's going unscathed. He need he needs some sort of umbrella. But I think what you're also saying with the boxes is that there are um uh he gets to analyze what's coming down around him. Mm-hmm. So you know, if you have these little containers, you can collect samples like a scientist. <laughs> and you can see is it general anxiety? Is it panic attacks? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm trying to work with the elements of your metaphor to make it the best metaphor possible. I like it very much. And, and of course, learning about something that's so upsetting to you can very well keep make it less upsetting. 
So that, you know, that doing that head work, doing that rational research, whatever you want to call it, due diligence, helps you to get a little perspective on it. And that's always a good thing. You can't just run in the rain and expect to analyze it while you run. I, I think that is a perfect, uh, not perfect because you told me a minute ago, nothing is perfect. But <laughs> No, no, no. We can reach perfection. We just need to keep trying. No, no. And besides, nobody likes perfect people. So let's not go there. But it is a really apropos metaphor. I, and the protection piece is something we talk about all the time and uh, something that people don't even know how to do. And all that is to say that this episode of Advice for Mom is brought to you by the Acme Umbrella Company. Just kidding. Here's a quick ad from our actual sponsor, Green Chef. Green Chef thinks dinner should be planned around your life, not the other way around. Green Chef is a USDA certified organic company that is ready to send you easy to cook delicious meals that you can feel good about. Meal plans include paleo, vegan, vegetarian, keto, gluten-free, omnivore, and carnivore. Oh, a carnivore. What, wait, what's a carnivore again? Each ingredient is thoughtfully sourced and its journey tracked. From planting to plating. I got my Green Chef box this week. Uh, yeah, it was blissfully vegetarian. Wouldn't it be so cool if I lived in a world where I didn't even know what a carnivore was? <laughs> Ah, I made the sweet potato noodle bowl. It was so good. And all the ingredients were pre-measured, pre-portioned, and mostly already prepped, which is a good thing for me, because as Arnie would say, I'm a slow chopper. So let Green Chef do your meal planning, your grocery shopping, and most of your chopping week after week. For $50 off your first box of Green Chef, Go to greenchef.us slash pickleball. That's .us, not .com. So go to greenchef.us slash pickleball for $50 off. Yeah, I think if Comnivore was an actual eating style, it would probably have to be someone who only eats while laughing. Uh, sounds like a choking hazard, but also a lot of laughter is, that's a mentally healthy way to live. Green Chef, you in on this? You could do funny ingredients. Free idea, hey! Free idea, yay! All right. So mom, for this question, I think it's really important to get another professional because this is like a, like a meaty mental health question. I would say that's wonderful. I thought, why don't we get someone who specializes in social anxiety, someone who's really good at explaining complex mental health situations mm. and someone who you can't stop referencing? Oh my goodness. Come on. Yeah. <gasps> Rebecca. Mom, it's been so hard to keep this secret from you, but... <laughs> I bet. I bet. <laughs> I needed to tell you on the microphone that yesterday I got to talk to the amazing Dr. Ellen Hendrickson of The Savvy Psychologist. How do you get... Oh, I, <laughs> I basically do it for this moment right here where you get so excited about it. And also for our <laughs> listeners to get them good advice. That's also what we're all about. Yeah. I even got to tell her how you like to sneak in references to her podcast. <laughs> Is that did that help win her over or was it Well you wanna hear? You wanna oh. hear if it won her over? Uh, <laughs> yes I do.
my mom loves your podcast so much and she's referenced it on so many episodes. I kind of had to like rein her in. Oh, I'm so flattered. That warms my heart. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that. Yeah. And I was like, mom, it's not that this isn't a good resource. It's just that, you know, the whole point of giving extra resources in the show notes is for people to like discover a new podcast. And like, you've you've referenced the savvy psychologist, like probably in the last three episodes. (laughs) Yeah. Now she tries to sneak, sneak a reference to your show. She'll be like, well, I was listening to something. (laughs) (laughs) something that will go unnamed I'll link it in the show notes and she'll like try to sneak it past me under the table of recommendations that's hilarious yes I love it but now we get to to showcase you in full in full savvy psychologist grandeur So anxious in Ann Arbor, I was delighted to read your letter because I I know exactly what that is and have experienced uh, very much the same thing. And I think this is way more universal uh, than is talked about. So scientists call this experience uh, an involuntary memory of having an embarrassing memory pop back into your head unbidden usually in a moment like you describe. Um, so for instance, for, for, for me, like I usually get these when I'm bike commuting or folding laundry or something mindless. So the situations you describe are, are situations kind of like that when there's nothing else on your mind. Um, you know, your, your mind can kind of be in a default mode of, of uh, just, you know, thinking about whatever's at hand. And that's when these involuntary memories strike. Now, in pop culture, uh, these are called cringe attacks. And um, my friend, the journalist Melissa Dahl, does a wonderful job explaining these in her uh, book called Cringeworthy, A Theory of Awkwardness. And so I will refer you to, to her uh, excellent book, and which is also, that chapter has also been excerpted online. And uh, I think uh, that's going to be in the in the show notes as well, so you can access it there. But the the point is that this is really something that almost everybody goes through. That everybody has embarrassing moments and regrettable encounters from their past, and it, they do have a sneaky tendency of popping back in our heads. As to why this happens, that's that's unclear. It is, but it is not pathological. So you you asked um, if this was a form of PTSD, and no, it's not. So so don't worry. You don't have to give yourself a diagnosis. It's it's something that is is you know fairly universal and you know well within the realm of normal. So so no worries about that. In terms of how to challenge it, that can happen from two really different angles, and so. The, the first direction we can come at it from is, is a challenge, is to, to try to, you know, get in the ring with these cringe attacks and really challenge that memory and how bad it is. So, for instance, you could ask yourself, okay, how many people, like, has something like this happened to? You know, how many kids have put a note in the wrong locker? So many people. This is, you know, a... a story that's so common that it's almost become a cliche. So you are definitely not alone in this. And that's kind of the point that, uh, that we, again, we all have embarrassing moments. We all have regrettable encounters and that connects us to the human experience. This is just part of, you know, the kind of the bumps and foibles of being a person. So that's one, how many other people has it happened to 
Another thing you can ask yourself to kind of get in the ring with the uh, memory is, you know, a lot of these are, are years old, some even decades old. Do other people remember this as strongly as you? And I can guarantee that the answer is no, that, that because you felt mortified and, you know, it was so embarrassing for, for you, it, it feels like it might be that you might still be in the spotlight, that maybe others might remember this too. But uh, when, we, when we really think about it objectively, we can almost guarantee that, that no, it's just us, that, that we um, were the only ones who remember this embarrassing moment from years past. And the third thing you can do is to just kind of give yourself some good self-soothing. It's essentially talking to yourself as you would to a good friend. You know, so if, if, a, if a good friend came to us with any one of these cringeworthy memories, we wouldn't say, ha, you're an idiot. I can't believe you did that. We would never do that. We, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't say the same things that we say to ourselves, you know, to, to a good friend. And so to try to conjure... Um, a friend in, in the very same situation. What would you say to her to make her feel better? So things like, oh my gosh, that's so embarrassing. I'm really sorry that happened to you. Oh, you know, this, this other thing happened to me. Or, oh my gosh, that, I, that, that sounds so common. I bet a million people have experienced that same thing. Re- so really trying to, to talk to yourself as if you were trying to soothe someone close to you. So, so those are three kind of three angles uh, you can take if you want to get in the ring with your memory and try to challenge it. Okay, so that's one angle. And then the other direction we can come at it from is to lean into it, is when you're having, this is a really, this is an opposite response because in the first, the first, you know, those three questions, we are trying to kind of logic our way out of it, to try to argue with it, to try to minimize without suppressing the memory. And so here, if you lean into it and really just try to play it over in your head deliberately again and and again, to really just run through this memory as if you're, you know, watching a video, rewinding it, watching it again, rewind it, watch it again, your brain will get bored. And I think part of the reason that all these physical symptoms come back to you is because it feels so fresh because the, the memory is unbidden and, and it, it, it replays um, intrusively. And so if you can bring it to mind consciously, if you can be the one in the driver's seat rather than your memory just deciding to pop open this jack-in-the-box um, and to run through the memory again and again and again and again on purpose it will lose its power. It's kind of like when you first, like if you wear a watch, you put on the watch in the morning and you can kind of feel it on your skin. You can, you can tell without looking at it that the watch is on your wrist because all your nerve endings are firing. But then the watch stays on your skin and your nerve endings get bored. And so within just a few minutes, you have to, if you don't remember that you're wearing a watch, you have to look at your wrist say, oh yeah, no, I am wearing that. I couldn't, I couldn't feel that. I had to check. Same thing will happen with your memories. If you run through it uh, again, deliberately on purpose again and again, your brain will get bored and the memory will lose its power. So those are two really different ways to come at these cringe attacks. Quite honestly, I think the best thing to do is just to, to feel how it connects you to the rest of humanity. It's so uh, validating and 
um, soothing to realize that pretty much everybody goes through this. It's not just you. And this notion, um, anxious in Ann Arbor, of having uh, these embarrassing memories or like uh, things that you did that were sort of awkward um, flashback to you is also something that happens to folks with social anxiety. And so, um, so I have a history of social anxiety myself. And, you know, after, you know, several decades and uh, a PhD in clinical psychology, I've really gotten to the point where it's under control. It doesn't own me anymore. But I, I always say I, I do still have my moments. And just yesterday, this thing happened where I was having lunch with uh, some colleagues and we were in this restaurant and the music was loud. And so it was, it was hard to hear the conversation at points. And, um, and at one point, my colleague referenced uh, the HIV crisis um, and he was talking about it um, from the, the, in the time point of like the late 80s to early 90s. So like before protease inhibitors came out when, when HIV was still really a death sentence. And I, I didn't really catch what he was saying and kind of just smiled and nodded. And, and my reaction, I realized in the, in the, um, in retrospect was, would be appropriate if he was talking about something pleasant. But I, but after the fact, I realized, oh wait, that was, that was not, I didn't match uh, you know, his tone or his, like what, what the, the gravity of, of the matter. Um, and he let the subject drop, which made me wonder if, uh, if he had wanted to say more, but, but just didn't because I was smiling and nodding anyway. And so for the rest of the day, you know, that, that memory kind of popped in my head from time to time. And I was like, oh, I should have, you know, I, I, I missed what he was saying, or I, I should have reacted differently. And that's, that is post-event processing. I, I, was um, equally, I was relieved actually to, to be able to put a name on it. I was like, oh, there's that again. So knowing that it wasn't just me, like this is a thing, like a, you know, capital T thing. So I wonder, since uh, Anxious in Ann Arbor, you mentioned your, you know, kind of history of anxiety as well. Um, this might be a similar, a, a familiar phenomenon for you. And there I would say, and this is what I tried to do for myself, um, was to try to challenge the perfectionism inherent in beating yourself up that way. So for me, I had to ask myself, you know, is it, is it okay that, you know, given like the music was loud, like that you misheard him or you didn't, you didn't catch everything he said, like, does does, is that so horrible? Do you really have to beat yourself up for, you know, missing this comment or reacting, you know, not perfectly appropriately? And the answer was, no, I don't have to. It's not going to help anything to beat myself up this way or to criticize myself harshly that I can, we can, we can all move on. And I know that our relationship is strong enough that it can absorb some of the foibles and missteps that just happen in human communication. And that this is, this is okay. It's just, it's part of having a relationship with another human being. It's just part of being human. Don't you have a book about all this? 
I do. Imagine that. So, so my, so my book, um, yes, is about social anxiety. And so there we, we, I talk about, um, I talk a lot more about post-event processing. So the, the, the low light reel after, um, a social interaction, but also we talk about the anticipatory anxiety, uh, before social interactions, like why this happens, where it comes from and lots and lots and lots of things you can do to, to try to, to quiet um, that anxiety and quiet that inner critic. And so it makes sense that the book is called How to Be Yourself, Quiet Your Inner Critic, and Rise Above Social Anxiety. Dr. Ellen, is the way I think of her, was so right when she talked about uh, a process we call exposure therapy. It's it's kind of uh, upsetting to think about, and people have to, you know, gear up their courage to do it. But it's so powerful and so effective if if the client is up for it. Yeah. So this is our Halloween episode, and you and Dr. Ellen just delivered Anxious in an Arbor a pillowcase full of good tricks for battling cringe attacks. Yes. So I wanted to give you, Mama, a treat to end this episode. Oh my goodness. Um, she also said this really sweet thing that I just kind of felt like sums sums up our show in a, in a way. Um, and she said, I can tell in her letter afterwards, I sent her a thank you. And she said, I can tell how much love and care goes into your show, oh. which I was just like, yes. Yes. What a nice acknowledgement. I can't believe that you got her. <laughs> So I know we sh- we started out this show being super spooky, um, <laughs> but uh, and I know it's still Halloween probably when people are listening to this, but I just want to end the show with a lot of love to this listener and to all of our listeners. And um, some of our listeners might have a chance to get Mama B love in person. Yes. <laughs> you want to <laughs> tell what you're going to do, Mom? Well, um, I'm coming to San Francisco to be with Brian and Rebecca when their album debuts. Is that how I would say it? You can say it that way, sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I am so looking forward to to coming and uh, maybe meeting some of my our dear our dear listeners. That would be such a kick. Yeah, yeah. So um, we'll include uh, we'll include all the details in our show notes. But the short version is November third at the Rock Opera album release party that my band is hosting. We will have a real live Mama Bee in the audience. Maybe we'll get her up on stage. Who knows? You never know, do you? <laughs> you never know what we're gonna pull up next. That's right. I never know, and that's part of the fun of it. Well, what's next for this episode of Advice from Mom is the credits. Because that wraps up our haunting Halloween episode. Stay tuned in about two weeks for another new episode coming to your podcast feed. And until then, we are Advice for Mom, a production of Wise Ones Advice Services. We're produced by Juliet Heinley and me, Rebecca Garza Bortman. Editing by Juliet Heinley. Mixing and mastering by Jake Young. Audio assistance by Brian P. Garza. And our theme music is by my band, Love Jerks. And this is pretty cool. As of this Friday, you can listen to our theme music with actual words. It's a song called Little Less Lonesome, and it will be streaming everywhere because our new album, 
is coming out on Friday, including that song. You could be listening to it right now and know all the words. Wouldn't that be cool? And then, if you're in San Francisco, Saturday night, you can come see Love Jerks at the Makeout Room. Oh my gosh, it's going to be the best weekend ever. There's still tickets. Give Mama B that hug you've always wanted to. 